Welcome to Bite at a Time Books Behind the Story, where we answer the questions you have about your favorite classic authors. What inspired your favorite author to write their novels? What was going on in the world at the time? Follow along with us as we tell you what was happening in the world while your favorite authors wrote your favorite classics. My name is Bree Carlisle, and I love to read and wanted to share my passion with listeners like you. If you want to know what's coming next and vote on upcoming books, sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. Be sure to follow my show on your favorite podcast platform so you get all the new episodes. You can find most of our links in the show notes, but also our website, biteatatimebooks.com, includes all of the links for our show, including to our Patreon to support the show and YouTube, where we have special behind the narration of the episodes. We're part of the Bite at a Time Books Productions Network. If you'd also like to hear a book by the author, check out the Bite at a Time Books podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we'll be talking about Percy Bysshe Shelley. Mary Godwin may have first met the radical poet-philosopher Percy Bysshe Shelley in the interval between her two stays in Scotland. By the time she returned home for a second time on March 30, 1814, Percy Shelley had become estranged from his wife and was regularly visiting William Godwin, whom he had agreed to bail out of debt. Percy Shelley's radicalism, particularly his economic views, which he had imbibed from William Godwin's political justice, 1793, had alienated him from his wealthy aristocratic family. They wanted him to follow traditional models of the landed aristocracy and he wanted to donate large amounts of the family's money to schemes intended to help the disadvantaged. Percy Shelley, therefore, had difficulty gaining access to money until he inherited his estate, because his family did not want him wasting it on projects of political justice. After several months of promises, Shelley announced that he either could not or would not pay off all of Godwin's debts. Godwin was angry and felt betrayed. Mary and Percy began meeting each other secretly at her mother Mary Wollstonecraft's grave in the churchyard of St. Pancras' old church, and they fell in love. She was 16 and he was 21. On June 26, 1814, Shelley and Godwin declared their love for one another as Shelley announced he could not hide his ardent passion, leading her, in a sublime and rapturous moment, to say she felt the same way. On either that day or the next, Godwin lost her virginity to Shelley, which tradition claims happened in the churchyard. Godwin described herself as attracted to Shelley's wild, intellectual, unearthly looks. To Mary's dismay, her father disapproved and tried to thwart the relationship and salvage the spotless fame of his daughter. At about the same time, Mary's father learned of Shelley's inability to pay off the father's debts. Mary, who later wrote of my excessive and romantic attachment to my father, was confused. She saw Percy Shelley as an embodiment of her parents' liberal and reformist ideas of the 1790s, particularly Godwin's view that marriage was a repressive monopoly, which he had argued in his 1793 edition of Political Justice but later retracted. On July 28, 1814, the couple eloped and secretly left for France, taking Mary's stepsister, Claire Claremont, with them. After convincing Mary Jane Godwin, who had pursued them to Callias, that they did not wish to return, the trio traveled to Paris, and then, by donkey, mule, carriage, and foot, through a France recently ravaged by war, to Switzerland. It was acting in a novel, being an incarnate romance, 
Mary Shelley recalled in 1826, Godwin wrote about France in 1814, the distress of the inhabitants whose houses had been burned. Their cattle killed and all their wealth destroyed has given a sting to my detestation of war. As they traveled, Mary and Percy read works by Mary Wollstonecraft and others, kept a joint journal and continued their own writing. At Lucerne, lack of money forced the three to turn back. They traveled down the Rhine and by land to the Dutch port of Mesulius, arrived at Gravesend, Kent on September 13, 1814. The situation awaiting Mary Godwin in England was fraught with complications, some of which she had not foreseen. Either before or during the journey, she had become pregnant. She and Percy now found themselves penniless, and to Mary's genuine surprise, her father refused to have anything to do with her. The couple moved with Claire into lodgings in Somerstown, and later Nelson Square. They maintained their intense program of reading and writing and entertained Percy Shelley's friends, such as Thomas Jefferson Hogg and the writer Thomas Love Peacock. Percy Shelley sometimes left home for short periods to dodge creditors. The couple's distraught letters reveal their pain at those separations. Pregnant and often ill, Mary Godwin had to cope with Percy's joy at the birth of his son by Harriet Shelley in late 1814, and his constant outings with Claire Claremont. Shelley and Claremont were almost certainly lovers, which caused much jealousy on Godwin's part. Shelley greatly offended Godwin at one point, when during a walk in the French countryside, he suggested that they both take the plunge into a stream naked as it offended her principles. She was partly consoled by the visits of Hogg, whom she disliked at first, but soon considered a close friend. Percy Shelley seems to have wanted Mary Godwin and Hogg to become lovers. Mary did not dismiss the idea, since in principle she believed in free love. In practice, however, she loved only Percy Shelley and seemed to have ventured no further than flirting with Hogg. On February 22, 1815, she gave birth to a two-month premature baby girl who was not expected to survive. On March 6, she wrote to Hogg, My dearest Hogg, my baby is dead. Will you come to see me as soon as you can? I wish to see you. It was perfectly well when I went to bed. I awoke in the night to give it a suck, and it appeared to be sleeping so quietly that I would not awake it. It was dead then, but we did not find that out till morning. From its appearance, it evidently died of convulsions. Will you come? You are so calm a creature, and Shelley is afraid of a fever from the milk, for I am no longer a mother now. The loss of her child induced acute depression in Mary Godwin, who was haunted by visions of the baby, but she conceived again and had recovered by the summer. With the revival in Percy Shelley's finances after the death of his grandfather, Sir Bysshe Shelley, the couple holidayed in Turquay and then rented a two-story cottage in Bishopsgate, on the edge of Windsor Great Park. Little is known about this period in Mary Godwin's life, since her journal from May 1815 to July 1816 is lost. At Bishopsgate, Percy wrote his poem, Alistair, or The Spirit of Solitude, and on January 24, 1816, Mary gave birth to a second child, William, named after her father and soon nicknamed Wilmouse. In her novel, The Last Man, she later imagined Windsor as a Garden of Eden. Thank you for joining Bite at a Time Books behind the story today. While we answered some of the questions you have about one of your favorite classic authors, again, my name is Bree Carlisle, and I hope you come back next time when we answer more questions about one of your favorite classic authors. 
Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. Check out the show notes or our website, biteatatimebooks.com, for the links for our show.